My guest today says you lose 1% of your body function per year. Would you like to know how to slow that down? Well, stick around. This is Live Forever-ish with Michael A. Smith, MD. Here's Dr. Mike. So I'm trying to figure out if it's 1% per year, where am I at now? I'm approaching 50. <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm not doing so well. 1% per year. This comes from a wonderful book, The Longevity, Longevity Decoded, The Seven Keys to Healthy Aging. The author of this book is my guest. His name is Dr. Stephen Schimpf. He is a quasi-retired internist, professor of medicine and public policy, former CEO of the University of Maryland Medical Center, author of six books. That's pretty good. I only done one, and that was hard enough. And, and his most recent book, as I just said, is Longevity Decoded. Dr. Shemp, welcome to the show. Well, thanks very much. Glad to be here. So what 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 is this 1% per year? Tell me about Where did you come up with that? Is it really true? Uh, it is true. Um, so sometime in early adulthood, maybe sometime between 20 and 40, probably closer to 20, we do start losing about 1% of each body function, each organ function, like our uh, our bones or our, our brain, our cognitive function, and so on. Um, and this 1%, of course, we've got lots of redundancy in all our organs, so we don't notice it. And besides, 1% is not that much. By the time you get to my age, which is 76, then you start to say, well, what happened to those muscles I used to have? And, <laughs> right. um, you know, I don't, I don't feel quite as sharp as I used to feel. So it, it, it happens. It, it moves along. Um, is it exactly 1%? Probably not. It's going to vary from person to person, year to year, uh, organ to organ. But we could just use that 1% as a pretty good right. uh, average okay. uh, rate of fall. So, it, so it's, an, it's an average rate, and, and um, we're talking about each organ system. And, and I think that's an important point you make. It's not You may not even notice a 1% drop in liver function each year. But as you get older and older, you might notice that some of, some of the toxins in our environment and things like air fresheners you use, maybe that does start to bother you. Maybe you do start getting some weird skin stuff from that. Um, let me ask you this. So if it's 1% per year, that loss of body function, right, can I stop that? <laughs> Is it, so that's really what we want, right? Can I stop this from happening? <laughs> No. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> that's stop. it. That's the end of the show, <laughs> folks. No, I'm just kidding. That's it. Yep. <laughs> We're done. Uh, nice. So you can't stop it, but you can slow it down. So let's just say, for argument's sake, that you could slow it down from 1% to three-quarters of a percent. It may not seem like a big change. It is 25% less. But, um, you know, over a lifetime, that's a huge change. And I like to think of this and tell people to think about it in, in the reverse order that we think about saving for retirement. We say, you know, we ought to start saving early. And if we start saving early and invest it well, it'll grow, it'll, it'll compound, and we'll have a lot more uh, when we retire than if we, say, started at your age, say, age 50. So uh, it's the same thing here. If we can slow the process down, you know, over 30, 40, 50, 60 years, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, so that's so the goal here is is slowing this down. I, I get okay. So so it, and this makes sense when I look at your. I have the um your book here, and uh you know you talk about the seven keys to healthy aging. You're you're not talking about stopping the aging process. It is what it is. We age. All of us feel that. It's really maybe just about having a better control over that process. Make it a a, a healthy process. Is that kind of your perspective on it? It certainly is. And I think it's important to say, you know, there's no fountain of youth. There's no magic pill. 
Um, it's, it's, it's what we have to do day by day, every day for many years. Yeah, it, it's it, it's it truly is is a, is a lifestyle. So there's there are healthy aging lifestyles. Uh, but most of us don't practice that, right? Uh, most of us are practicing right, unhealthy right. aging lifestyles. And that, you know, I'm referring to the food we eat, the lack of exercise, the toxins in our environment. I mean, we could go on. I mean, that's a whole nother show right there. But you, so, but you, oh, so yes. you've backed up and said, you, you've backed up and said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to study this and I'm going to figure out how to better manage this, right? How I can actually control this. So you come up with these seven, keys to healthy aging. Why don't you just uh, give us a little teaser about what those seven keys to healthy aging are? Okay. Not one of them will be a surprise to you for sure and probably to most of your listeners. So the first one is diet. It's what we eat. It makes a huge impact on, on everything in our body. Now we can come back to that if we have time, but the second one is exercise. We know that, that the term sitting is the new smoking. You know, We, we don't smoke as much yep. as we used to, but we sure sit a lot. And we can't be captive. We've got to get up. We've got to move around. And we need both aerobic and resistance exercise. The third one is stress. People don't appreciate how important chronic stress is. It causes inflammation in our bodies. It, it has a really negative impact. And so we need to find ways to manage our stress. The fourth one is sleep. We're a country. We're a population of insomniacs, I guess. Uh, we need to enhance our sleep. We need that eight hours or thereabouts every night. Uh, I just mentioned no smoking, and that's really important, and that means really nothing, no vaping or anything else, no nothing. And then that's for all the organs of our body. Our brain needs those five, but it needs two more. We need to challenge it, you know, use it or lose it. We need to challenge our brain intellectually. And, you know, we're social animals. We need to interact with other people. We can't be hermits. So I just call it social engagement. Right. No, I like that. Let's look. Well, let's let's kind of go through these as, as 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 best we can here. Let's okay. So let's go to diet because one of the things that I think conventional doctors, myself, you, uh, one of the things that we haven't done a, a good job in is understanding the uh, the impact that diet has. We understand that eating healthy is is good, right? But we tell our patients what? Well, start eating better. Well, okay, that doesn't help anybody. We have to we have to be a little more specific, right? So what what yeah. you have some tips for people to begin to eat healthier? Yeah. So. First of all, all things in moderation. But one of the biggest things we do that we shouldn't do is eat too much sugar. The average American, this, this number blows me away, and it may you too, eats 154 pounds of sugar per year. It's just, you know, it's amazing. And it's, where is that? Unreal. Well, it's in sodas. You know, it's in pies, cakes, yeah. cookies, pastries. It, it's in our cereals. It's all over. Well, and, so and, and, and really, yeah, Dr. Shipp, really all of, of those sources... Yeah, and all of those sources, right? That you just you just said all the main sources. They're all all of the servings of those sources are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. The cupcakes are getting bigger. The cakes are getting bigger. We I just saw. I'm not kidding you. I saw somebody drinking, um, coming out of Seven Eleven. I saw him fill up what looked like a bucket, but it was just a large cup of pure Coke, you know, or diet or uh, Pepsi or whatever yeah. it was. I mean, it was a bucket, and he's drinking that. <laughs> yes, that's right. And, you know, just one can of Coke or Pepsi or any of the others has about 37 grams of, of sugar. Now, that doesn't mean much to most of the people listening, probably, but it happens to be a little bit more than an average adult should have in a whole day. And lots of people drink not just one soda a day. They, and then they've got sugar in their coffee and sugar in their iced tea and all the other things. Right. So we really have right. to pay attention to that. The other well, thing well, let's, most let's, of us don't appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go ahead. 
So I was just going to say, let's move on to the exercise and let's move on to the okay, exercise sure. part of this because just for time's sake. And, and, and so again, I, I know we, we need to be more active. We, we, again, we, as physicians, we say that, right? Diet and exercise, get, you know, do better. And again, we're not, we're not giving a lot of, right. a lot of tips. There. What, so what, uh, what is the one thing if I haven't exercised in a long time, right? Cause a lot of people that we're talking to, um, although I think my listeners are a little bit uh, in, more into health and stuff, but but in general, the average American hasn't exercised in a long time. What's the one thing that they could do that actually can can start to show improvement in health? Well, I, I think the, just the one thing would be to walk, just plain walking, um, thirty minutes a day, six days a week. That'll make a huge, huge difference. Your body will love it, and you'll feel better. Yeah, and you mentioned sitting, right? That's the new smoking. That was a whole campaign. I think that was out maybe about a year ago. I, I'm guilty of that, too. I mean, I sit at a desk all day, but I do try. I have certain times where I just get up, walk, stretch, go talk to somebody. Instead of, instead of doing an instant message, how about go talk, get up and walk in to the person's office or something and talk to them? So there's, right, well, there's, there's little things you can do, like, you know? Yeah. So yeah, um, like let's move on to stretch. Let's move up. on to, yeah. Standing up at your office desk, stretching your legs a little bit can make a, a big deal. Let's move on yeah. to stress reduction. What's your biggest tip there? Um, pay attention to it. So um, oh. you can't get rid of all stress, so you have to be, but we can manage it. And some of the ways to do it would be um, just stopping and thinking about things for a while, um, closing your eyes, taking a few deep breaths, amazing how a few deep breaths changes everything. It, it, it lowers your sympathetic system, which is the action system, pulls up the parasympathetic, which is the, the relaxation system. It can lower our blood pressure, lower our uh, uh, blood sugar. Um, it can make a huge difference. And there's other things yeah. you can do, of course. Yoga, Tai Chi, exercise is great for stress. The right foods yeah. are great for stress. Meditation is wonderful. And, and it also, to, to many people, that sounds just so complicated and you can't do it. Um, I'm not really good at it, but, you know, I, I, I do okay. it and I try it and, and I feel better for it. I like the breathing thing because I, you know, I, I, I know this personally and I, and I've, and I know it through some friends that I've helped and patients that if you can really learn deep breathing and master that, it's impossible to be stressed and anxious. They, it, it's their opposite ends. Right. And so I think that's a really good tip, um, just to, to, to learn how to control your breath, focus on your breath can be can be very powerful. By the way, it's probably why smokers feel good when they're smoking. I mean, I know the the nicotine helps a little bit, but most of them are taking big huge breaths drawn in that. I mean, they're deep breathing, <laughs> you know. So don't don't do that Never way. That. Figure out how to do it without the cigarette. But you mean watch uh, them. They're yeah. breathing in big and they're breathing out. I mean, that's that's actually pretty powerful. Um obviously, yeah, come on. We got to um got to sleep more. I know that that that's a key key thing for people. What what do you feel about doing something like melatonin at night? Well, um, I would I would do that, but I do some other things first. And uh, and what are those other things? Well, first of all, try and stick to a schedule. Try and stick to the sun going down, the sun coming up. Just hook, you know, hook into your own natural circadian rhythm. Uh, before an hour or so before bed, that's not a good time to watch a horror movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, keep the bedroom as a bedroom. The bedroom shouldn't be a place for a TV show. Uh, you know, yeah. you want to go into the bedroom, that's that's time going to bed. Uh, no lights. Get rid of all the lights, including your cell phone light and all the other little blue lights, which will shine right in your eyes overnight, and it'll turn that melatonin off. Yeah. <laughs> so we want that's the melatonin right. that our body makes 
they are. So those are just yeah. a few quick quick things. Yeah, I do. I um I do those things. I call it a sleep style, right? So there's healthy sleep styles, yeah. right? And so everything you just said is makes sense. Um, I did add melatonin to my regimen because I actually believe melatonin. It's not just for sleep. I think it's a great antioxidant for the body, etc. But um, I got to tell you, three milligrams of melatonin. Uh, boy, Doctor Shemp, I'm sleeping like a baby. It's pretty darn good. But it's included yeah. with that sleep style. So um, I'm a big proponent of that. Yeah, Obviously, and, you. Sure. you your your next so, step was no say, smoking. Melatonin is a yeah. I'm just gonna say yeah. melatonin is a normal chemical that our body makes. All you're really doing is enhancing that, and you know yeah makes sense. So um, obviously no smoking. I don't think we need to berate. I think most of my listeners aren't smokers, no. but you know we know that that's like the worst thing you can do for your body. Period. Um, really inflammation is, yeah. goes up, oxidative stress goes up, all that kind of stuff. So we know that. Um, interesting when you add the other two for the brain. I like the intellectual challenges and the social engagement. Um, tell us a little bit, like if you wanted to uh, intellectually challenge yourself, what would you do? Well, I'll tell you what I do do, which is I'm, I call myself quasi-retired, which means I don't have a paying job, and that's been for about a decade <laughs> now. But I, I, I have gotten really intrigued by saying, how can I still continue to help people as a doctor? And I've decided the way I can do that is by educating them through my books. And so putting those books together takes a lot of challenge. You know, i got to go out and interview people, go to conferences, lectures, and so on, pull all the information together, try and write it down, you know, you know on a... In a, in a civilized, not civilized, but a, you know, an effective manner. So that's that's a big intellectual challenge for me. Yeah. But other sorts of things. Uh, my wife is a watercolorist. Uh, that's that for her is it's a big, you know, it's it's a problem solving event. Uh, there's other things that people do. You know, you can play, you can learn a musical instrument. Uh, even even at an older age, um, a new language. Uh, there's so many different things, but it's it's makes right. your brain work. Not I, watching TV doesn't count. Even reading a book doesn't count. Yeah, I I like the the learning a new language. I actually think that that's um, a great way to almost rewire your brain a little bit. Keep it what we call you yeah. know the plasticity of the brain, the brain cell connections going. So I think that's that's great. I you know I want to end. So social engagement, um, uh, Doctor Ship. I I saw a show. It was a documentary on a um, nursing home. And the nursing home uh, started to bring in preschool kids, and the preschool kids would spend time with the nursing home patients. Um, each kid was assigned to one specific nursing home patient, and they would just hang out together. They started playing cards together, and just within about two or three weeks of this test program, the nursing home patients had more energy. They were they were sleeping better. They were more talkative with each other. So just bringing in even just the kids kind of woke them up a little bit, bringing them more into that social engagement. I love that as being number seven uh, in your tips for for healthy aging. Yeah. What what do you think about that? Uh, well, I love your example. I think it's great. I, I've I've heard about things similar to that also. Um, uh, it, it just makes a huge difference for people. We need to we need to have friends. Uh, real friends, and we need to keep them close, if you will. You know, don't don't forget your that's friends. That's good. Stick with them. Yeah, because um, it's important. Yeah, that's great, Doctor Shemp. I want to thank you for coming on the show today. The book is Longevity Decoded: The Seven Keys to Healthy Aging. Again, thanks for coming on today. You're listening to Live Foreverish. For more podcasts, please visit liveforeverish.com. That's liveforeverish.com. I'm Doctor Mike. Thanks for listening.